1: I've really been looking forward to this episode. Uh, today we're going to talk with a good friend of mine, Baryonyx Perello. Baryonyx and I have known each other for, what, seven or eight years now? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, but I first saw his name at least 11 or 12 years ago when I was an avid reader of Outdoor Photographer and Digital, Digital Photo Pro Magazine, where he was an associate editor. The Baryonyx has a long-running podcast called The Candid Frame, which you, if you haven't listened to it yet, you should definitely seek it out and subscribe. Both Ugo and I have been guests on the show, and we'll put links in the show notes to those episodes, but he's got just the top photographers on his show. You'll want to listen to that. He's also the author of quite a few books, including Chasing the Light, as well as the ebook The Candid Frame, On-Street Photography. And there's the Candid Frame YouTube channel, where Baryonyx talks to other professional photographers, as well as delves deep into street photography. Baryonyx, a big welcome to the show. How are you, my friend?
2: Thank you, Ralph Hugo. We'll I'm really good. I'm really excited to have a chance to, to talk with you guys. It's always a pleasure.
0: Yeah, it's great to be talking with you again after some time, am i'm really looking forward to this conversation today i know well, good. Some, i am too some great topics here
1: well i gave a little bit of a background on you but why don't you give our listeners a little bit more detail about you and your photography
2: well i've been photographing since i was a preteen so as a kid i started learning photography when i was 10 so uh, like many people of my generation i uh, was introduced to the darkroom and uh the experience of seeing that image suddenly appear in that blank piece of paper was a game changer for me. Um, so I've been lucky enough in my life to have uh, all my career uh, revolve around photography. I went to uh, Berkeley and I got a degree in English Lit. Uh, but soon after, I uh, my first job straight out of college was working for Nikon. And I was there for about eight years working in the uh, tech support department, answering questions about equipment so for the longest time i was you know i had all this information in my brain about nikon gear going all the back way back to like 1955 even the smallest accessory i i had somewhere in my in, in my brain not that i remember any of that stuff now <laughs> but uh soon after i i left to start working to begin working as the associate editor at outdoor photographer digital photo pro magazine and a PC Photo Magazine, where I was for about eight years. And during my time there, I started the, the show, The Candid Frame Podcast, in which I interview photographers about their work and the career. Um, I had a really long commute from uh, Pasadena to the west side of Los Angeles, which on average involved me being on the freeway about two hours round trip every day, at least. And um, I was listening to the podcast about photography, and so much of the conversations revolved around um, equipment and I felt like it was a lost opportunity to not have photographers talking about photography so I took it on myself to create the show and 11 years later we're, we're still here uh, doing that and uh, I, I left the magazine probably about 10, 9 or 10 years ago and went completely freelance so I was writing for not only those magazines but for Pop Photo, um, Shutterbug Rangefinder, uh, anyone who would pay me to write and uh, as well as teaching at the art center college of design for a while i uh, written probably six books i lose count um in you know doing workshops and doing living the freelance life which means juggling several balls simultaneously and um yeah. And then my photography, uh, usually revolves around uh, street photography and, and a good amount of travel photography. So um, one of the things that's been good for me, especially being a writer, is that uh, a lot of my images find their way into print uh, as a result of the stuff that I write. So when I'm writing a magazine article or a book about photography, I'm often using my own imagery. So that that's one of the benefits of, of doing what I do is that um, my work oftentimes didn't just sit lazily on a hard drive. So, uh, I get to shoot what I love the way I like to do it. And, uh, I'm able to have it see print and, and find an audience.
1: That's great. Cause that's such a, a hard thing to do. And <clears throat> so many people would love to be able to, to write about photography and especially use their own images. And, uh, you're, you're, it seems like you're sort of concentrating on this street photography genre and uh, really delving deeply into that. Um, you know, and a, a really solid knowledge of street photography comes in handy when traveling. How are you incorporating that genre into your travels, whether you're photographing where you live there in Southern California or when you hit the road?
2: Yeah, I think for me, um, street photography, practicing street photography has been invaluable in terms of how I photograph when I'm traveling. Uh, it basically is the same thing for me. Uh, I love wandering the streets, getting lost, whether it's here in Los Angeles, in New York, in Paris, uh, in London, wherever I am. Uh, I love the idea of pulling out a camera, walking somewhere where I haven't been before and seeing what I discovered. And uh, I, I think uh, I'm not the kind of kind of travel photographer that will just take pictures of buildings and landscapes. I like roaming the sort of ordinary, common streets that exist in any city in town, and seeing what I discover, and taking on the challenge of trying to find a way of not just documenting my travels, but trying to create a really interesting. Beautiful, insightful, and insightful image that incorporates the architecture, that incorporates the light, the people. Um, street photography is probably one of the most challenging kinds of photography because you're using the 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 world that surrounds you with all its chaos and all its unpredictability, and you're taking on trying to take all those disparate elements that can happen in front of your camera and trying to put them together within that frame to make a photograph that's really effective. And I like walking that tightrope. I'm, I'm not the kind of photographer that likes working in a studio where I have control of, over everything. Uh, I like the fact that I don't know what's going to happen when I take, uh, I step out of that front door and out into the street. Um, that unpredictability is something that's really exciting for me because when I see a moment or when I anticipate a moment, uh, you know, being able to raise the camera in enough time to not only get the shot but to compose something that's just beautiful and that's effective is one of the most satisfying things that I can imagine doing. So when I travel and I, I try to take that whole sensibility of how I approach photography back home, um into wherever i'm going and it really is helpful because when i when i travel especially to a place i've never been before it can be really easy to be very overstimulated you know you're seeing all these new things and everything looks amazing and it can be really hard to sort of slow down and pare things down so that you can be effectively make good photographs rather than just making snapshots and just because i have a regular practice of 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 shooting here and i have a way of sort of getting myself into the zone and starting to pay attention to light and and all these different things when i travel once i get over the jet lag i'm usually able to um get myself into that zone so that i can make as good a photograph as i'm capable of making
0: do you have any tips to share with our audience uh, with with somebody who would like to take up the genre? How do you get into the zone? Do you have any practices?
2: You know, really, it's it's just it's just practice. It's really getting out there on a regular basis. Um, a lot of people will shoot very rarely, and you know, when I I find that when I'm shooting on a, on a regular basis, if I'm trying to get out there, it's hard now just because I'm doing so much. But if I can get out there every at least once a week and do about two hours worth of shooting, um. That's good. I had this job. I was working for a show for NPR last year uh, in near Westlake, which is just west of downtown Los Angeles. And during my lunch breaks and my breaks, I would walk around the MacArthur Park neighborhood. And I had my camera. So every day I was going out and making, making photographs. And even though I was probably only dedicating like 15 or 20 minutes a day, it, it was remarkable in my development as a photographer uh, how how I was refining the way that I was seeing and how I was shooting. Uh, as much as I like you know, spending two hours or something like that on a Saturday going out and shooting, I found that even that small amount of time really made a big difference because I would go out and I'd walk around the neighborhood for about 15 or 20 minutes. And 15 to 20 minutes doesn't seem like a long time. But I liked the challenge of trying to see if I could find an interesting photograph that I could make within that 15 or 20 minutes. And I especially found it helpful on those days where I didn't want to go out, or I just wanted to, you know finish editing this segment for the show. and I said, get your butt out there and go out and make a photograph. And I would push myself. and almost inevitably on days like that, I would find I could make a photograph that I was really excited. And I was sharing it actively on my Instagram feed during that, that that past year. That's how I sort of shared the work. And walking that same neighborhood day after day uh, for 15 or 20 minutes of a time, at a time and trying to find new things in an area that was very, very familiar to me uh, made me a better photographer. So when when people think about doing sort of street photography, they may think that they have to go to some sort of big destination. and then I, what I would recommend is people you know take their cameras and during a walk in their own neighborhood or during their lunch breaks, just take out your camera, even your smartphone and you know during your hour hour, you know your hour lunch or even during your fifteen minute breaks, just go out and just walk and just see what you can find during those those periods of time. When you start getting into a regular habit of seeing and photographing, you will naturally start looking at the world differently. Even without the camera, you'll start looking at the world differently and you'll be, you'll be developing the way that you're seeing, not just the way you're shooting. And I think that really is the trick, whether you're going to be an effective street photographer or a, a travel photographer, is developing that personal way of seeing. And the only way it happens is by shooting on a regular basis, basis and not just shooting every two or three months.
0: So that's a lot of intentionality.
2: Absolutely, yeah, that's a must.
1: I always say that you can't get worse at photography. It's you know, but you've got to be out there doing it. It's like practicing and you know, uh, exercising a muscle. You have to be out there exercising that that muscle of learning to see. And so, I think that's a lot of what you're saying right there.
2: Yeah, that's really the secret to photography is learning how learning how you see uniquely um we, we we spend so much time talking about equipment and gear and photoshop and all these things but you know i i don't think there's enough of discussion of learning how to see which is kind of subjective i understand What that's why it's a little more difficult to sort of sort of quantify in conversations and, and things like that but uh, i think any photographer that you see, whose work you admire, uh, has found a way of being able to to do that. And if you're waiting for having the luxury of time, you know, be it a vacation or retirement, whatever it is, you know, I encourage people to to find the time. Even as little as 15 minutes a day can make a huge
1: difference in in how you develop as a photographer earlier you had mentioned anticipation talk to us a little bit more about the importance of anticipating the moment
2: that's something that that comes with this whole idea of of developing you the way that you see is that you can like for me when i go out and photograph i am usually uh paying attention to the light first and foremost I don't go out specifically with the intent of photographing a particular type of subject matter. So I'll explore a scene and I'll start looking and I'll see, oh, there's an interesting light. There's a shaft of light that's coming across this building. Uh, there's some interesting color there. And I'll sort of we'll walk in that direction where the light's kind of interesting, where I have some play of light and shadow, interesting colors. And then I'll slowly start composing the shot and I may then sort of wait for someone to sort of come into the frame to complete it. And that's one of the ways I sort of get started, how I sort of grease the wheels when I first go out and shoot, is like I try to find the setting first. And then I will allow other things to come into the frame to sort of complete it. So while I may be including people in my photographs and they may be sort of critical to the success of the the image, I'm really sort of looking at light, shadow, uh, shapes and patterns, and how they inform the overall composition. And then, as I continue to shoot, I may sort of, you know, focus on individual people, but then I'm still thinking about all those other other qualities that make a good composition. I'm not not just thinking uh, solely on a singular element in my photograph. I'm thinking about the subject, the light, what's in front of the subject, what's behind of the subject. I'm looking at all these different elements as individual elements, but trying to figure out, okay, how do I bring them together within the frame? And a big part of that is figuring out what I need to exclude. Exclusion is a big part of of a successful photograph. And and by paying attention, and when you raise your camera to their eye, you're able to discern What are the things that you really need in the shot to make it effective? And what do you have to get rid of? And I think that's probably one of the big mistakes that a lot of people when they're first practicing photography make is that they'll see their subject, but they won't pay attention to everything else that's in in the frame. And it's only later when they pull the image up in the computer that they realize, oh, I have this tree growing out of the person's head, or there's this person in a white t-shirt immediately behind my subject that's distracting. And when you're developing that, that that way of seeing when you are shooting and you're actively seeing, you see all those things within the frame. or you see how when that person is coming in from the left and the other person is coming in from the right, you realize that if they converge at right the right spot where the light is falling, you can all of a sudden make that that happen. So that sort of anticipation is is really about paying attention to everything that is, in flux in a scene and then sort of you you get a, you really get a sense when when a moment is is about to happen or has the potentiality of happening in a way that's going to really serve a photograph and a big part of what I do probably over 50% is about anticipation finding the setting finding the light And then seeing, okay, what else do I need in order to make this shot complete? So that's sort of a long-winded way of trying to explain what I do. Hopefully that makes sense.
0: One of the hardest things about street photography, at least for many people, me included, is uh, photographing people. And I find it that especially when I don't practice enough, I tend to quickly lose confidence. So besides practicing... uh, what, what what suggestions would you give somebody who wants to to become confident photographing people and what, what is your modus operandi how do you deal with uh, with people do you go ask for portraits do you prefer to shoot candids what's your
2: approach uh, i i go back and forth between the two um when it comes to doing the candid photographs um i in the way that I just described, that I shoot, uh, people are an element in the photograph, but they aren't necessarily my subjects. But sometimes they are. It really depends on the photograph. But one of the one of the things that I found that really sort of works for me, and that I sort of impress on my students when I take them out into the field to photograph, is that if you are standing on a street corner and you see a scene and that's really sort of interesting to you, and you want people within the frame, if you're standing there and you're already sort of composing your shot and you're making pictures people will from a distance see you there making making photographs and if you're already there with your camera making pictures and they have they don't think that you are waiting for them to come into the frame they don't think that you are making a photograph of them they see you they see you there they see you taking pictures uh, but they don't realize that you've sort of eyed them while they were like 50 feet or hundred feet away walking in their direction. And you're going, Oh, that woman who's wearing that red hat is going to be perfect against this blue wall. And you sort of, sort of, you know, I just sort of bide my time. And when they move into the frame in their exact same spot, I make my photograph and they become part of my picture. But because they've seen me there from a distance they don't think I'm even conscious of them. They just think, oh, he's just taking picture of this wall or this mural or whatever it is, is sort of in the background. So that's sort of my way of sort of getting past my anxiety, my fear about photographing people, is that I'm not running up to someone like Bruce Gilden with a flash and getting up in people's faces and making a, a photograph. That's not that's not my style. I'm often looking as pe- at people in a lot of my street photography as basically a graphic element within the shot um i think if people go to my instagram feed and they go to the stuff that i was doing last year they'll see a a lot of of that and even on my on my website that desperately needs updating but um it's it's that sort of methodology that allows me to photograph people and do it without feeling too anxious I, i mean i'm always anxious every time i go out and shoot uh, it's almost inevitable, but once I start getting into this methodology of, and this approach to photographing, I usually get past it, especially after I've made a good shot in that, in that morning and that afternoon. Once I've made that initial good shot, then I just go, okay, I'm good, and I just keep doing it. And uh, in terms of approaching people, uh, I'll do a, a good number of street portraits. And for those, I think the easiest way for me to do it is I just usually approach people and I give them a compliment about their dog, about their hat, about their shoes, whatever it was that sort of piqued my interest in them. And I'll just go up and I'll go home. And really enthusiastically, I'll say, man, that jacket on you looks awesome. And people are sort of caught off guard being approached by a stranger, but just the fact that you're giving them a compliment about something usually uh, allows me to sort of quickly assess whether this person would be open to a photograph. And if they respond favorably to the compliment, I'll then broach the idea of, can I make your make your photograph? But even before I've approached them, I'm already considering, okay, if they say yes, where am I going to put them? Because I'm thinking about the light and the background. And as soon as they say yes, I usually say, can I move you over here? Because the light in the background here is really good. And so I've already thought about that even before I've sort of broached broached the uh, uh, the question about whether or not I can photograph them. And I think 85% of the time, if not 90% of the time, that that works for me. So uh, if people are sort of wary about approaching strangers, to about making their portraits, my biggest piece of advice is um, just go up to a stranger and just give them a compliment without the expectation that you're going to make a photograph. Because I think the biggest fear is about approaching someone and getting rejected, but you don't usually feel that fear if you're just approaching someone to give them a compliment, mm. right? Yeah, and if right. you can just say, if you can just say, Hey, it, I really like whatever it is about them. It explains why you want to make the photograph. Cause if you just go up to someone and kind of make your photograph, the first thing is, well, why do you want to make my photograph? But if you just go up someone and say compliment them about something, they understand why you want to make a photograph and they're either going to be amenable to it or not. And if they say no, you can just say thank you and, and, and sort of move on. But it takes the edge off of just approaching someone cold and asking them to make the photograph. At that point, that fear takes over and you become paralyzed and it's just
1: another missed opportunity. I think, too, in that situation, you're giving them something, a compliment. And in a way, they will often feel somewhat obligated to give you something. And that is... A little bit of their time to make that photograph don't you think yeah.
2: yeah i think so i don't know if it's obligation but it's just it's just it's appreciation the fact that you've acknowledged them because i think we we mostly live our, our, our lives without acknowledging the good things of other people you know i mean think about when was the last time you were complimented by a stranger about anything too long (laughs) right you know it's 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 pretty rare and when it does happen you're caught off guard and you're flattered and i think that uh people appreciate being recognized for for something and so uh that that appreciation can manifest in them agreeing to be photographed
1: one thing i'll say about your earlier comment uh having people see you photographing and you know, from afar and then feeling like, you know, they don't necessarily feel like they're going to be a part of the shot is that, uh, at times I'll do that and the person will see me photographing and because I'm shooting so wide, they'll walk around me, right. mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and the, the, I'll ha- it'll be the exact opposite effect of what I was hoping for. <laughs> Does that happen to you as well?
2: Oh yeah. And I've learned, uh, if, if, if you, people see me photographing, they'll see me doing this little dance because I will basically very be logist- logistical in terms of where I am standing. And sometimes I'll like, I like street corners, like right at the curb, getting there, because I like how people can come from the left and from the right. And I'll, I'll sometimes will just physically move myself at the last minute in order to force a person to move in a certain direction that I want them to. Or I'll sort of position myself where I'm an obstruction, where they're they're gonna be forced to move in a certain direction. So they can't get around me. Um, So yeah, so I'll try to do it. Sometimes I miss it because they still will just move around me. But I'm constantly trying to find uh, a way where I can sort of, just by moving, sort of um, suggest to them to walk in this way, even if it's in front of my lens. And uh, there's a a photographer, um, um, David Wells, uh, I think it's David H. Wells, uh, who talks about choke points which are basically um, paths where people are sort of forced to move through. So say, for example, you're on a, uh, on a sidewalk where there is some uh, construction work or some work that's being done on the street, and the sidewalk is sort of narrowed because of all the equipment that's there, and people are sort of having, are forced to walk through a certain path. If you can find spaces like that where people are sort of being forced to, to move through, those are great points to sort of situate yourself because they have less choice. They can't go off out into the street or move around you. And when you can find spots like that that are served by the good light and good background, um, it can be a really good way of being able to uh, leverage um, a little bit of control about where people move in, in the scene.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, sort of a funnel and people are forced through it and you've got a little bit more control I could definitely see that uh, those of you listeners who are newer photographers and uh, thinking that maybe this is a little bit overwhelming, all that the is telling us, because you could see how very well thought out he is being, but all of this I'm sure is happening within split seconds that you're doing these things, but that only comes with a lot of experience. So like he was saying earlier, you've got to be out there practicing this, and then over time, it will uh, certainly come with experience, and I find this with the people on my trips as well, that uh, they get a little bit overwhelmed when I talk to them about my thought process, but the more and more they do it, it becomes natural for them. Yeah, it's to me, I do, uh, I,
2: I regularly do street photography workshops here in L.A., and I walk people through my process when I'm out on the street, so I'll be walking with them, and I'll tell them, okay, this is what I'm seeing, this is what I'm responding to, this is how I, I shoot, and, and it's really interesting to see, even with, even in just a single day, how people pick up on that, because I do a critique session at the end of the day, and we spend about two, two hours um, with people submitting maybe two to three images for the critiques, and it's amazing how, um, how quickly they, they pick it up because once they know what to pay attention to, uh, they can make these amazing shots. And I'm always so impressed by, uh, by them when I'm taking a look at those pictures. And a lot of times some of these people who may not have had much experience in terms of street photography make images that I'm envious of you know cuz everyone looks at the world very differently and as a result photographs it very differently but when they when they get when they feel like that they get permission to shoot the way that they see it's quite a liberating thing and when you see it in the photographs it's it's incredibly satisfying not as not only as a photographer but as someone who's sharing sharing their knowledge about something that they love to do
0: can you share some information about the equipment that you use? I know uh, it's not all about gear, but uh, it would
2: be interesting. Uh, people would be incredibly disappointed with me because right now, uh, I I just shoot with the X100S, and that's when I'm out in the street doing my own personal work, uh, that's all I have with me. I took a trip to Paris several years back, and I borrowed a friend's X-100S, and that was the only thing I took with me. I had a Canon 5D Mark III III, with seven or eight different lenses, and I was just like, I just did not want to carry that with me. I mean, I have this big backpack with all this stuff, but I had just gotten really tired of taking all that stuff with me. And before the trip to Paris, I went to New Orleans with all that gear, and after a couple of days, I was just disgusted with with the weight. And I just had gotten an iPhone. And I spent the remainder of the week there photographing with my iPhone. And it was so liberating. I was so excited shooting with the iPhone because I found myself less burdened with the idea of trying to make a great photograph, which I felt obligated to every time I pulled out this big SLR. And I was making all these choices and doing, making shots that I never would have made with an SLR. When I, and I looked at that work, I felt like it was the best work I had done to date. And there was something very liberating about working that simply.
0: Is it just about weight, or does the using a smaller camera changes changes your your attitude or the attitudes of your subjects?
2: I think that size and weight is was the impetus for me wanting for me wanting to work with less, uh, but I think it was just the fact that by eliminating all these different choices. In terms of okay, do I use the twenty-eight to seventy, the seventy-two hundred, the fifty-one four, the thirty-five, whatever, whatever it was that was in my bag? By eliminating all that stuff and saying, okay, I am just going to work with this camera that has a thirty-five millimeter equivalent lens on it, and that's all I'm working with. It's not about the equipment at that point. All it is is about okay, light, exposure, white balance, focus. That's it, and it it became. I was more focused on what i was seeing and how i was seeing than i was with anything with the camera and the advantage of having something as small as compact as that is that it also in terms of my street and my travel photography it allowed me to get physically closer to my subjects than i normally could with a big slr because if i had that Mark III, with the 24 to 105 millimeter lens, I could not get three to four feet from my subject, make a photograph, and have, and have them not notice me. There was no way that the clunk of that shutter and that mirror was not going to be uh, draw someone's attention. With the X100S, I could be, I could be, I could reach out and touch someone, make the photograph, and still have them not be aware of of of, of them in the frame because I was one of the things that I was trying to broach in my photography was to try and get away of this thing of photographing people from a distance of you know seven to ten feet away I wanted to get closer and closer and closer have them be more prominent within the uh, within the frame and the only way that I was going to be able to do that was working with something that was smaller but more importantly more quiet quieter than uh, what I was experiencing with the DSLR and that's that's something that I really I really learned by using the phone you know because sometimes I was only two or three feet away from someone and I was able to make a make a shot because they thought I was doing something else other you know other than making a photograph and I was like I just love the way the images looked at that at that proximity and so uh, so much of what I've been trying to do, um, has been trying to create intimacy in my photographs. And by using these smaller, quieter cameras, uh, I'm able to do that. I just would not be able to do that with, uh, with a DSLR that makes that's so big, but also that makes so much noise.
1: You know, looking around on your website, I see you've done some work with an organization that's close to my heart, uh, namely the Boys and Girls Club. Give some background on that project. Well,
2: uh, the Boys and Girls Club, uh, well, the well the Boys Club and I was coming up, was where I learned photography. One of the counselors there uh, fixed up a, a darkroom that had been in disrepair, um, stocked all the chemicals, the paper. They had some really old cameras, like from the 50s uh, in there. Um, and two photojournalists came in, freelance photojournalists, and taught the kids how to process film and make a print. And uh, I was just sold on it. And it was such a it, – it was a, a life-changing experience being uh, – learning that in the club. And okay, and I felt forever grateful for that. And I wanted to just, you know, sort of thank them. And unfortunately, the person, Mike Cohen, who had taught me photography and was responsible for, for that, had passed away. And so I just reached out to the club and I said, you know, I really would like to um, – Come to the club for about three or four days, and make images, and um, you know, provide them to you so that you could do whatever you can in terms of being able to promote the club. And so I spent like three or four days uh, going to the club and just photographing the kids and the counselors and the space. And I produced this this book using Blurb, uh, and I provide and provided it uh, to them. And it was really a, a really sort of a gratifying way of being able to, to give back to an organization that really had succeeded in changing my life. So I sort of took, you know, my experience as a photojournalist and as a street photographer and just sort of, you know, occupied this space with these kids. And it was really it was really fun. It was challenging because the light, the light in the club sucks. Uh, It's not really conducive to photography, but I think I was really able to make some photographs that sort of conveyed what I thought was important about the club, and a lot of that, and a lot of it was relationships, not just the activities that the kids do, but for me, the, the, the relationships that the kids kids have with each other, with the counselors. Um, is really what makes that place a really magical place and a wonderful a wonderful space for kids uh, to be able to, to occupy when they're not in school. And that was one of the big things that I really tried to capture. And I think I succeeded for the most part uh, with the images that, that the people will see on the site. Uh, it was it's, it's the relationships that help people, especially the kids, grow, learn, and just become become better people. Having a space where you feel safe, that you feel cared for and respected is what that club offered me as a kid. And I think it continues to do that for just thousands and thousands of kids all over the country.
1: Yeah, I know we're getting ready to wrap up here, but very quickly, uh, I was a member of the Boys Club here in Chicago. My dad was a member when he was a kid. And then when I lived out in Southern California in Orange County, I actually uh, was looking for something to do to give back a little bit. And I found the Boys and Girls Club out there and I taught photography to the kids and we gave them cameras. We got them out shooting. We did, uh, you know, I did critiques uh, when they came back the next week or month. So uh, that was something that w- that was a really fulfilling uh, project for me to do. So, yeah, yeah, I was Great organization. Well, thanks so much for being on the show, Baryonyx. Uh, where can our listeners find out more about you, The Candid Frame, and follow you online? Yeah, they can go
2: to thecandidframe.com, and there they can uh, check out the podcast, where we have over, right now, 354, 355 interviews with some amazing photographers, including Ralph and Ugo here. But, uh since we've been talking about travel and street photography, we have some great photographers like Joel Meyerowitz and Jamie um, Zell and just countless others. And uh, they can go there and, and check it out. We have a free app available for Apple, iOS, uh, Windows, and Android. So that's probably the easiest way to have access to the entire archive of interviews Um you can just download those at your convenience and, and check them out. We also have a YouTube channel. So if you just do a search on the Candid Frame on YouTube, uh, you'll see the videos that we've been producing over the last week. And if people want to follow me, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram. And they can just do a search on IbarianX and uh, they can follow me follow me there. And, uh, yeah,
1: I'm, I'm trying to be everywhere at the same time. So, Well, we'll have links to all of that in the show notes. Uh, if you'd like more information about me, please visit my website at photoenrichment.com. And you can follow me on all the social media platforms at both at photoenrichment and at Ralph Velasco. To find out more about Ugo, please visit his site at ucphoto.me and by Googling him to get his social media handles. Thanks again to Baryonyx. I uh, hope to talk to you soon. Thanks, Baryonyx. Thank uh,
0: thanks, Ralph. Great conversation.
1: Thank, thank you.